Welcome back to round two of your weekly dose of awesomeness. Not really round two, but round two in this installment. Cool, round 2.5. Okay, and you just heard my co-host, Frank Castaldi. I am Michael Bignami. And, uh, Ooh, I like the Italian accent on yeah, that name there. Pronounced it correct. I actually started taking a new class and first time in the, my short lifetime or my medium to old lifetime that I actually had a teacher pronounce my name correctly. Very impressed with him. Nice. But anyway, a lot on the docket today. We're going to get into some playoff baseball. Also got a crazy NFL weekend coming up, some big games. A lot of big games. Before we do that, though, somebody's on the move. Somebody's on the move. Who's on the move, Frank? I am uh, officially moving to California. No, 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 I'm just messing with you. That'll never happen. <laughs> Hopes and dreams. Yep. Theo but Epstein. Boy our, wonder himself. Our favorite GM in the world is uh, going to Chicago. Actually, he's up there for me right now because he just left the Red Sox in shambles. Yeah, that was really great. Yes, a lot of contracts, but for those who didn't hear, Theo Epstein went to the Chicago Cubs five years, 15 to $20 million. They haven't really released his title yet, if he's going to be the president, the CEO, the it's, GM. It's, it's not Facebook a fish yet, but it's not, getting there. No, it's Facebook a fish. It's been confirmed, but we don't know if it's an open relationship or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's, it's, there we go. That's the good Facebook reference. So, Frankie, what do you think? What do I think? I think this could possibly be terrible for the Cubs. And uh, I've, I've lately decided to... You know, kind of like cross-reference Theo Epstein and his uh, Red Sox dynasty that he'll put together in these past 10 years. And uh, it's in, a, in another sport. Um, probably 26 years ago, in that little white place we like to call Canada, back when Michael and I were betting parlays against the other seeds inside of our father of who would stick to our mother first and which one would come out... Um, there was a guy in Canada, in Edmonton, that was creating his own dynasty. And that man was Glenn Sather. He had all the pieces in play. He fell into a very great situation. He had a lot of great players around him. He added a couple of players. And, uh, you know, he had like a Wayne Gretzky. I don't know if you ever heard of him. This guy, Mark Messier, Paul Coffey, goalie Grant Fjord, Yari Curry. He had, a, he had a decent amount to work with. And then... He added players like Adam Graves, you know, Jeff Bukaboom, Kevin Lowe, guys like those who probably none of you listeners know of because everyone hates hockey, um, <laughs> but I could pull them out of my head at will. Um, he turned that team into a wrecking ball in the NHL. They destroyed everybody. And uh, he became probably one of the highly, highly regarded GMs in hockey. And then he, there was very little... Payroll there, it was all under a tight budget, and he did great with it. And then he went to New York Rangers, and in similar wrecking ball fashion, he destroyed their franchise because he had a whole bunch of money. He signed every big-name player there was. There was no no gelness to the teams. Uh, they were terrible. They were the laughing stock of the league because they always had the highest payroll, and I believe that's what he's been doing in Boston these last few years. Mm-hmm. And kind of make this a little bit easier for the listeners who don't follow hockey, but he he didn't really worry about chemistry at all. Right, he just spent no money chemistry. On the big name free agents. He he built fantasy teams, but unlike in fantasy teams where you don't have to worry about a locker room and personalities and egos, you just get to play those great players. 
you have to worry about that stuff. And I think some of the contracts that Theo Epstein made over these past few years, he really just kind of went after the big ticket name. I mean, the Carl Crawfords, the John Lackeys, the Matsuzakas, the J.D. Drews. And it really, it's, he literally left the Red, the Red Sox in shambles. And uh, I don't know if, if he's going to take that same philosophy to Chicago, who's been kind of terrible these last few years. Would you say terrible? Uh, not what the fans expect. But So you don't think that the Theo Epstein signing was good for Chicago? Uh, at this point, no. I don't. All right. I'm going to disagree with you. I agree that he left the Red Sox in shambles. He did have a lot to work with when he went first went to Boston. Mm-hmm. He had that core. He had Pedro still on the team, Manny on the team. They signed Ortiz, Johnny Damon, all these people that you know were associated with that evil Red Sox team of 2004. Mm-hmm. He had that core. In Chicago, no matter who the GM was, they don't have a lot to work with. Exactly. They don't have a deep farm system. For Chicago's side of it, I like that signing. I don't know if I agree with Theo Epstein leaving Boston, although after everything that happened, that collapse they had, maybe it was the right time. Yeah. I'm not sure if he really was like that Francona got canned. We don't know about that, but you know he made some moves in Boston that they're going to be stuck with. They're not going to be able to get rid of Josh Beckett, John Lackey. Anybody like that? Right. Ortiz is getting old. Euclid is getting older. Not even. Not only is he getting older, but he has to play third base now. He's the perfect first base DH type. He is, and he can't really handle third. He's not a great defensive third baseman anymore. So he's leaving all that behind in Boston. They kind of emptied out the farm system a little bit to get Adrian Gonzalez, but I for Theo Epstein, I could see that move. A lot of those bad contracts on Chicago, Zambrano, Soriano. Aramis Ramirez, those those are going to go away sooner than later, sooner than those contracts over in Boston. And I know he doesn't have a deep farm system in Chicago. What he needs to do is re, if he could pull off the revamp of that farm system by trading some of these big-name guys away who still do have something you know, left to offer, if he could trade them away to a team that's on the cusp of contending that needs that, that off-the-bench bat, that needs that defensive replacement, um, that they can afford to take on the contract – give away some youth to make their run into the playoffs and get something back in return, much like he did with Nomar when he traded them. You got Orlando Cabrera yeah. and another part who is slipping my mind right now. But you look at that and look at the players that he could possibly trade. Zambrano's in the last year of his contract. Nobody's touching Zambrano. What's going to have to happen is Chicago, he, he's going to need the ownership to eat some of those contracts in order to he's trade going them to away. Have. A lot of that if he wants to get any useful part back in the deal. All right, and so... He's going to need ownership to take on a little bit more money, a little more payroll. And I don't know if Chicago's willing to do that. I don't know what their situation is like with their spending in the front office. Well, like I said, he doesn't he doesn't have that core to work with. And um, believe, it, believe it or not, the Cubs had a pretty decent payroll last year. They had a $125 million payroll. You know, that's that's up there. Yes. It's and, not quite Boston, who was at 161, but it's still good enough for sixth in all the baseball. I mean, Carlos Pena had a pay, uh, salary cap figure, not even a salary cap, because they don't have that in baseball, but he was being paid $10 million last year. He's going to come off the books. So that's losing some of that there. But in order to eat these contracts, you're going to have to pay those players most of their contracts for the other team, and you're going to have to take on the contract of the players you trade for. Now, even if you make some of these trades and get some of these trades, think the Cubs are going to have to go younger, and I think it's going to be a rebuilding process, and I don't think Theo is going to be able to work his magic. Well, he's going to start working his magic, but I don't think you're going to see the outcome of those trades 
for another three or four years. Right. They have Starlin Castro. They're going to build their team around. He's a very nice young shortstop. He's only 21 years old. Sorry, just let that sink in for a little bit of how old you actually are or feel. I really don't want it. I'd rather not. I mean, Chicago did get rid of one contract, several contracts this past year. Um, Pukudome, he's off. He's on the Indians now. Um, Like you said, it's going to be tough. It's, I mean, they have a good, a good catcher there in Giovanni Soto. They have a few aging guys. They have a guy, Tyler Colvin, who I really like a lot. Um, Starling Castro, like I said, I can't think of a better shortstop right now. Just want to start your team around. He's young and he's. No, I can think of a couple. I know you can think of a couple, but as young as he is and as good as he is. I still think of a couple. He needs to clear his head a little bit so he doesn't have his back turned to the play when, uh, you know, there's a pitch being thrown. Yeah. Fair enough. But it's going to be interesting. It's uh, He doesn't have that that rock-hard outfield of Manny, um, Damon, even Trout Nixon. I don't even want to say his name. Well, but he did well for them. For those he was years. a good role player. He was he, a Yankee killer. He was he was a good he fit that team chemistry that team, team and then you add back to you know you add Bill Agnes. Miller you add Kevin Millar two solid pieces to add exactly um, you have a Veritek yeah he had a, he had good pieces in Boston he did and he had a lot to work with and they were one of the big spenders when he went there right but anyway over to playoff baseball since the Cubs and the Red Sox both did not make the baseball Frank going with some. <laughs> Update you on tonight's action. Both teams, both games are in action. The, the Tigers and the Texas Rangers are actually in extra innings in the top of the 10th. That's 3-3 over there. Brandon Inch hit a home run, I believe, in the bottom of the 7th to tie it up. Then Miguel Cabrera got thrown out at the plate in the bottom of the 8th. But that game's going to extra innings. But the game of the other game in the National League where the series is tied 1-1. I'm honestly surprised about this one right now. St. Louis trying to... Get that home field advantage. Take that away from Milwaukee. They're up four to three in the going into the bottom of the fifth. Now, Frank, we were talking before the show, and we actually have a, dis- a little disagreement going to the series, and about two of the players, two of the big free agent to be. Those are Prince Fielder and Albert Pujols. All right. We the do. question we were asking each other is, who would you rather have? They're both free agents this offseason. With the money they're going to get and the contract they're going to get, who would you rather have? Um, you can't go wrong with either player. Obviously, their track records are stellar. But me, I'm going with Prince Fielder, and it's solely, solely on age. He's four years younger. As that we know, who we don't really know how old Pujols is. He's 31. Yeah, I am 12. <laughs> um, but Prince Fielder, I, I'm going with him solely on age. I mean, Pujols' career numbers average out to be a little better than Fielder's, a decent amount better than Fielder's. But I, and I really gets hard to argue against what he's Pujols is doing, you know, this off season. Um, but I, like I said, solely age wise, I'm gonna go fielder. And I like the way he gets up there on those high, uh, high liners down first. Big man gets up. Big man does get up for a vegetarian. Yeah. Not like that has anything to do with it. But I, I disagree. Even with the age, even if Pujols is 32, 33, even if you give him the 10 year contract. And he doesn't play it out a la A-Rod Rodriguez. How's, how, how's our 10-year contract going? I don't want to talk about that. Albert Pujols is far and away. His stats are a lot better. He can 
play the field better. Also with Prince Fielder, he's a little bit bigger. That he's a big guy for somebody who doesn't eat meat. <laughs> and uh, you know, you look at the case like Mo Vaughn or somebody like that. It just doesn't go well. The exception being David Ortiz. But if you look back at all those other bigger players, plumper players, they don't really age too well, and no. that's going to be a problem with Prince Fielder. And look at what it, excuse me, Pujols is doing in the postseason this year. Right now, he's two for two with a uh, the RBI. Um, he's hitting a little under six fifty, I think, for the postseason right now, or for the ALC, uh, NLCS the, rather. That's the NLCS. The NLCS. Uh, all, in the postseason, he's hitting. I'm almost, saying tonight. Yeah, he's hitting almost five hundred for the whole postseason. Yeah, it's with eleven RBIs, something around that. To get the, it, uh, it's crazy, and he is. He's the one person, he's carrying that offense. You look, they have Matt Holiday and he's defensive. Berkman had a good year, a great year actually for him. Mm-hmm. But he can carry that team. Look when they win the World Series. You can't even name somebody else on that roster. Yeah. Pujols for the uh, 2011 postseason. He's got one homer, seven RBI. That was before tonight. Before, Yeah, but this is all before tonight. Three walks and he's hitting right around 450. Um, like I said, you can't go wrong with either player. One, You're not going to sign... Prince Fielder and be like, I can't. Why do we sign Fielder? You know, like you're not, you're not going to be unhappy about signing Prince Fielder. No, obviously, and so and he's going to actually cost you a little bit less. Yeah, he he's going to be have a little more value to him. I think. I think he he is a Scott Boris client. I think you're going to be able to get him a little bit cheaper than Albert Pujols, maybe for fewer years. Not so sure. You you might make the argument you might get around the same because of Pujols' age, but. You can't see it, but I'm I'm using saying 31 in quotations right now. Yes, he's 31. He will actually be 32 before the season starts next year. Right. So that's 10 years. That brings him to about 42. So that's that's a lot. That's far to go. That's a long time to have a player, especially when he's that old. Right. All right. So we are going to get into the picks this weekend, but before we do that, Frank, you just had a couple of things to go into about the Rangers. I did the New York Rangers, not the not, not the Texas Rangers. Not the team playing right now. No. Apparently. Um. The Rangers are coming off their little Swedish trip they had. The, uh, right now, as the season stands, actually, the Rangers, uh, they look like they're going to finish 0-0-82. That's uh, what they're on pace for. Yeah, that's what they're on pace for. It's like when somebody hits a home run in the first game of the year, and then you say that they're on pace for 162 home runs. Right, though. and they're on pace for, I think, about 82 goals scored. Four. For the entire year. <laughs> Which might, that might actually be correct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> same old Rangers? Same old, no, we can't say same old Rangers just yet. Um... We need at least a week into the season. I'm trying not to be too objective on them right now because it's hard to open up your open up your season in a different country. And I'm not talking about Canada. I'm talking about you know Sweden. Do they even count? Who Canadians? Canadians, another country. I guess so. Yeah. Anyway, the Rangers have three goals for it, but uh, that's what I was going to ask you, Frank. Does the fact that they are they had to. Deal with the time, the, the, not the time travel. The travel. That'd be pretty cool. The travel. If they, if they could time the travel lag. right now. Yeah. <laughs> I Go back at some of, rid of some of those contracts. Yeah. Maybe give uh, Wade Redden or uh, Michael Roosevelt, Scott Gomez, Chris Drury. We're, we're, stop me when you want me to. Yeah, we can stop now. Yeah. Give them a little food poisoning before they're about to sign the deal. And then I could run around and slap Sather in the face before he had a chance to pull the trigger. <laughs> anyway, the hell's a rant? Um... <laughs> They, they look like they're going to be better. I do what I do like so far is Brad Richards. Um, he's playing. He had the game. He had the game tying goal very late 
against uh, Anaheim the other night, which stole them a point. They had no right getting a point. They played pretty awful the entire game. Um, he stole them a point, stole Henrik a point, who I'm surprised hasn't gone on a mass murder sc- uh, spree yet. <laughs> if I was Henrik Lundqvist and I was as handsome and uh, amazing at goaltending as he is, I would have killed my team by now because he put him on Washington, for example, and he's got a couple of Vesnas and a few uh, Stanley Cup rings. But... So- that's the other thing. You mentioned they played Anaheim in Los Angeles, and I don't follow hockey as in-depth as you do, but right. I know Anaheim and Los Angeles. They're good hockey teams. Los Angeles more than Anaheim right now, but they're... Anaheim, in my opinion, has the best line in hockey, the best top line of Corey Perry, Bobby Ryan, and uh, Ryan Getzlaff. The Rangers did a good job of shutting them down, um, but their defense has not looked as steady as I've wanted it to be. Granted, they're missing their top defender, Mark Stoll, who's... Uh, Still having some post-concussion syndromes, thanks to his brother Eric last year. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> um, but I think once they 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 looked a little little like peewee soccer these last couple games. They're just they're seem like a little out of position. They're a little out of whack. Like I said, they get a lot of getting used to each other. Um, they are skating Derek Stepan, who's a second-year player on the on the first line with Richards and Gabrick, which I like. I would rather have someone else on that line just because I like the depth that Stefan brings, but they can't. Um, and a little fun fact, uh, Sean Avery is actually still causing problems for the Dallas Stars right now. He uh, just started playing with the Connecticut Whale, which is the Rangers AHL affiliate. And as we know, he's, his contract was being split by the Rangers and the Stars because the Stars desperately wanted him out of their organization. And right now, since you get demoted to the AHL, your contract comes off the salary cap. And in Dallas's case, having his $1.9 million removed from them has actually put them right around or under the cap floor. So they need to go out and sign somebody. Go out and sign somebody or pick up a contract from another team. So any teams out there that are looking to dump some dead weight, send them to Dallas. I mean, they already picked up uh, Sheldon Sore, who's pretty dead weight. In his own right, but he's actually yeah, he's not playing that bad right now. He's got a few points so far. Still early though, Frank. Still early. But the Rangers this Saturday against they're actually they don't come home until October twenty seventh, which is kind of mind bottling. But um, they actually they after this Saturday when they play the Islanders, which should be a train wreck of a game, they go on a uh, West Coast tour. I actually like that, and this is the one thing I do know about the Rangers is that every time I follow them, and this is, it seems to always happen with them. They always have games played, like they've always played more games towards the end of the season than the other teams, and they also have less home games remaining than the other teams. So maybe we'll get a couple more home games in the regular season right. when the Rangers are actually probably fighting for a 7 or 8 spot. Well, I think the reason it always seems like they have played more games or they have, well, they played less games is because they make their games so drawn out and you want to kill yourself every time you're watching them so it lasts a little longer. That's the actual, that's the scientific reason. <laughs> All right, now let's get rid of hockey so everyone who just turned off can turn back on. <laughs> All right, and so we can go into the football, and we're going to talk about the games this weekend. We'll talk about the lines, predict the games, uh, maybe a couple bets that we might like if betting was legal. I uh, do want to refresh, let our it's fans legal. It's know. It's legal, just not in our state. Let our fans know that last week, Frank Castaldi actually had a good week. He went against the spread, nine wins, three losses, and one tie. That's me patting myself on the back. Save, save room for my, me. Also, 
I didn't do too bad myself. I went seven five and one, so Frank's got two games in hand on me. Before we get into the games this weekend, though, a couple of trades that I wanted to touch on quick. First, the Jets did trade Derek Mason to the Houston Texans. Yawn. Yawn. That is could be a decent... See what happens over there, especially with Andre Johnson being out. But the second move, the Raiders agreed to trade for Aaron Curry. All right? And this is... Seattle Seahawks signed, uh, drafted him a couple of years ago. Fourth overall out of Wake Forest. A lot of people thought he was a can't-miss prospect, can't-miss linebacker. All right, they traded him for, I believe, a seventh-round pick this upcoming draft and then a conditional pick in a mm-hmm. future draft. Right. A couple of things about this. Seahawks, for somebody who they only got those picks out of the Raiders, the Seahawks drafted him, Frank, ahead of Brian Arakbo, Clay Matthews, uh-huh. Brian Cushing, who yeah. won the Rookie of the Year that year. Yes, he did. Also, they drafted him ahead of Mark Sanchez and Josh Freeman. And that was a time, and still since then, Seattle's been looking for a quarterback. Not saying Sanchez is good, but, I mean, they could have taken a chance on him. Josh Freeman looks like he's going to be a... a He'll be decent. He's going to be a he's franchise be, quarterback yeah. for Tampa. He's going to be a very solid quarterback for them. So, uh, a move where, you know, a lot of teams might hold on to him and try and see if he does develop. I think it'll be a good move for both teams. Expect, well, both sides... Uh, Aaron Curry and the Seahawks. The Seahawks can hopefully put somebody in who can contribute and make plays, and maybe Aaron Curry gets a fresh start in Oakland. Right. All right, and so this weekend we're going to go into the games. Start with the 1 o'clock games. we got the St. Louis Rams at the Green Bay Packers. Frank, the spread is plus 15 St. Louis Rams. What do you like? Do I have to answer this? Yeah. I told you last week, I don't care what the spread is, I'm going with the Packers. You're going with the Packers? Yes. Okay. I am as well. I like the Packers to win in convincing fashion yes. against the St. Louis Rams. The Rams are awful, downright awful. They were like a sexy pick, if you will, to win the NFC West this year. That awful division, but they are just bad. They can't run the ball. They can't throw the ball anymore. They're, a, they're about as hurt. sexy as the Olsen twins right now. Bradford going through a big sophomore slump. So we agree on that one. The next game is another big spread, if you will. The Jacksonville Jaguars at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers are giving 12 points to the Jaguars. I know that this is going to sound crazy, but I kind of I want the Jags on this. You want the Jags? I don't think Pittsburgh covers that spread. I'm running it in stone on there. I have a rule of thumb. When I, when I gamble, if I gamble, that's don't take Blaine Gabbert, the rookie quarterback, on the road in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, Frank, I, a lot of people have written Pittsburgh off. I don't think you can do that yet. They are an older team, but they still have a lot of good players, and they are you want still to put a, You want to put Pittsburgh a friendly, friendly wager on this one? Yeah, what are we wagering? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'll think of something good by the time we're done with this. All right, the next game. I want to talk about this a little bit. It's the Philadelphia Eagles at the Washington Redskins, Frank. The spread is the Eagles in Washington are minus one and a half. Eagles in Washington, minus one and a half. Vegas doesn't agree that they're done, huh? No, obviously not, because the Skins are three and one, lead the NFC East. How sexy Rexy's not looking too bad with his little prediction there at the beginning of the season, is he? Who would have thought it? Anybody who says they believed Rex Grossman or thought Rex Grossman was right, as I'm throwing around pens, is crazy. I don't believe it. Even the Washington fans. I, I don't see it. 
And now they're three and one, first place in the division. The one and four Philadelphia Eagles. I think crazy is a little I, I, more more along the lines of a lying douchebag. That works too. Yeah, that, that's the Philadelphia that's Eagles. After all they've gone through, are minus are favored in Washington. Minus one and a half, Frank. Who are you taking? I don't understand that, honestly. And the I'm taking the Redskins just because I also have a rule of thumb after these past couple of weeks in betting. Don't take Philly. They've screwed me out of several parlays <laughs> recently. I'm Whether I'm, it's the, the Eagles, the Phillies, the Flyers, whichever one, I, from I just don't like. The only thing I like in Philly is always sunny and cheesesteaks. Those are the only two good things to ever come out of Philadelphia. <laughs> I'll agree with you on that. And Rocky. I <laughs> I don't think the Eagles are done. This is you hate to say it in the sixth week of the season, but this is a must win game for the Eagles. And Vic hasn't played you know what? He did play that bet against Buffalo. I'm still going with Philly. Minus one and a half. They they write the ship. I don't think Washington is as good as advertised. I think they more of a ruin it uh team. And no, Frank, why don't you explain the helpers and the ruiners for those of you who just Help. joining us? Helpers and Runers is kind of what we uh, base our life by. Runers, essentially, are teams that you think are good, and then they totally kind of just rip you to shreds. When this you can apply in good. all aspects of yeah, life. Yeah, all aspects of life. Um, like if you have a like friend your, who's let's a say your, your group of friends, let's say. You have a friend uh, that always helps it. Every time he comes around, he's always fun. He always brings something to the table. He's enjoyable. He's, hey, I got this round. Don't worry about it. Oh, I'll make you laugh. Oh, that's a fun joke. <laughs> Then you have your runers where you don't even know how you became friends with them in the first place. You're like, oh, insert name here is coming. Who told you? Oh, we saw it on your Facebook Every group status. Has one of those. They've all had one. All right. So, so this is your runer. The, the Redskins are your runer? They're one of them. I, I don't think they're as good as, that, as what their record shows. They're 3-1. and one. They, they beat the Giants. So who knows what the Giants. We'll get into them in a little bit. And I, I think they beat uh, St. Louis, who's downright miserable. Right. So, it remains to be seen how good Washington is. I think Philly's not as good as, obviously, as what everybody thought, but I don't think Philly's a playoff team. I think they're done. It's kind of going to be very hard for them to come back from 1-4, and four, especially right. with the division and the schedule that they have to face. Next game on the docket, though, the San Francisco 49ers at the Detroit Lions, two of the surprise teams. All right, the Niners are four-and-a-half-point dogs at Detroit. I'm going to go with Detroit. I think they take care of business. That defensive line, Fairley, is going to, it's going to be the second game. He didn't really do much last game. Right. Between him and Sue and the coverage, they'll be able to put pressure on that defense. Also, the 49ers' best receiver, or maybe not best, but statistically the best receiver, Josh Morgan, is probably out for the game. Uh, I believe he has a broken ankle. He's going to miss some time. I think the Lions take it, cover the spread. I, I agree with you on that one. I'm, I'm on the Lions bandwagon. Uh, it's going to be hard to throw me off. All right. Also, if I would have told you this, another stat that nobody would ever believe, after five weeks of the season, the 49ers, the Lions, and the Bills are combined 13-2. and two. I would have believed you about the Lions. I No, you wouldn't. Not that good. 5-0, and oh, that's good. Uh, you give me 4-1, and one, I, I agree with that. I've been smitten with them for a you while. You were on the bandwagon before with everybody else. Yeah. All right, fair enough. But Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson, they love. can't be stopped. Love. <laughs> Dominic and Sue. Hitting the love, love button. Javid right. Best, finally. 
<laughs> ripping one off last game. Love. Career day by the, almost doubled his yeah. career output in the one game. Yeah. Where were those, single game Where high. were those fantasy stats last year, buddy? <laughs> Thanks. Blatt. Next game, Cam's crew with the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are giving three and a half points. Frank, what do you like? Cam's crew at the Falcons. I told you guys last week I think the Falcons are very overrated. Um, I think I think Cam's crew, they take care of business. I'm going with, going with Carolina because I like their colors. <laughs> I like their color scheme and their uniform. See, I, I disagree with you again. And this is another, you hate to say it in week six, but it's another must-win game. All right, and starting to sound cliche, but Atlanta is two and three. They have Tampa Bay ahead of them at three and two. New Orleans ahead of them. And a, a deeper than expected NFC. Atlanta needs to win this game, and they need to do it in a convincing fashion to show people they're not as bad as what they've played like this year. Next game, we have the Colts plus seven at the Cincinnati Bengals. Andrew Luck sweepstakes for the Colts. Colts Suck plus, for luck, as they're saying. Yeah. Um, this game, I, Colts plus seven at the Bengals. Bengals are honestly their surprise team this year. They're one of the many team, one of the ten or so teams in the in the AFC that could surprisingly end up with a playoff spot. I'm I'm liking the Bengals on this one. I am too. The Red Rifle, the Cincinnati Bengals could be four and two after this weekend. And if you look at it, their next three games, including this weekend, Frank, mm-hmm. Indianapolis at home. Should be a win. I don't know if they cover the seven, but they should win. Well, we both agree that the Bengals are going to cover because I do. I think they're going to cover as well. So, Indianapolis at home, bye week. At Seattle, very winnable game. Unless you're the Giants. Giants were at home. That's another story. That makes them 5-2. and two. Then at Tennessee, another winnable game. They could. It's a winnable be- game. That's a statement maker game at Tennessee, who's another one of those 10 teams that right now they're th- sitting 3-2, and two, I think tied with Houston. Right? Tennessee is, yes. Yeah, 3-2 and two, tied with Houston. Uh, that's that's another statement game where if the Bengals pull that one off and then then they're six and two. It's yes, and it's a surprise surprise, surprise team. Right they could steal some wins down the stretch and easily sneak into the playoffs. How's Carson Palmer feeling right now? <laughs> well, if I'm him, I'm hoping uh, you know Cincinnati gets to where that payroll limit is and he reports to camp and they go over that salary cap and have to trade him. And I do that soon. That that trading deadline's on Tuesday, I believe, of next week. So the next game, Frank, is the Buffalo Bills, the 4-1 and Buffalo Bills, at the New York Football Giants. The Giants are giving three points to Buffalo. What Vegas basically saying by this spread is that they think these teams are even. Right. And I don't. Buffalo, is, you talked about your ruin it pick before. Buffalo is my help it pick. Uh, the last time Buffalo won the AFC East, you know when that was? Take a guess. 94. Wrong. 95. Right. Close, though. Pretty close. close. But Buffalo's my big surprise team right now, sitting 4-1. I love what they're, love what they're doing. Um, I, Ryan, you know, veteran journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's having one hell of a rapport with Stevie Johnson down there. Their offensive line is playing phenomenal. Um, Fitzpatrick, I think he's only been sacked three times uh, the whole season, whereas I think Jay Cutler was sacked three times well, he said hello in the post-game. Uh, and the, and the, by the, and the coin toss. Yeah, by the coin toss, Jay Cutler was on his ass three times already. Um, 
and it's it says statements for the Bills. They're and they're putting up points, and they're making statements. That, you know that game against New England, come from behind, seal the game off. Um, I'm liking what they're doing, and I, it's hard for me to say that because I love making fun of the Bills. It's one of my favorite pastimes. Is haha, you're from Buffalo, your life sucks. Like I love making fun of the Bills. Um, and I honestly think they could. Take the AFC East. I, I don't That's know. That's bold. You... I, I definitely make the playoffs. AFC East is a bold statement by me. I, I think they're a playoff team, and I think they cover this spread at the Giants. I don't think, right. especially after last week, the Giants, their defense, they made Tavares Jackson and Charlie Whitehurst look good. Yeah. And you have to be pretty pathetic to make those two quarterbacks look good. Right. And so I. Don't think it's, they're going to be able to stop Ryan Fitzpatrick and his no, no-name no. crew. Yeah, Dave Nelson, Stevie Johnson, Chandler, Scott Chandler, Fred I, Jackson, actually, Fred Jackson. Fred Jackson. I I don't think they're going to be able to stop them. Definitely not cover that spread. No. In the next game, we have the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. Spread is seven and a half points. Ravens are favored. This is a nice AFC matchup too. This is nice, and this is you mentioned a statement game before. This is a big game for the Texans, especially right. considering that Andre Johnson's probably not playing again. Right. All right, and after the loss they had, they were down at the goal line and shot through that big interception right. with the loss against Oakland. So, I think you need to have the Texans need to have turnaround, and I don't know if they win this game in Baltimore. It's going to be tough. Baltimore coming off the bye at least week. make it com- competitive. They they need to. I think it's going to be a close game, Houston. Aaron Foster looked good. He's run the ball well the last. Couple it it of looks weeks. like he shaked off the uh, the rust that was hampering that off. hamstring. What? Or shook off? What did I say? Shaked? No, I didn't. You said shaked. I did not. We'll run it back later. We will. But we both think Houston will cover that spread. I Foster's dusted off the rust <laughs> that uh, that was hampering him from that early season hamstring injury. And the Texans are always a team that you want that you want to believe is good. That this year they're going to be good. And then by season's end, you're always looking at all right. They're the Texans. I don't think I don't think the Texans win. I do think they cover the spread though. Yeah. Next, it's like game, I said, it's going to be competitive. Next game we have we have the Cleveland Browns plus seven at the Oakland Raiders. Frank, who do you like? I like Oakland. You like Oakland? Roses are red, violets are blue. Al Davis is dead. That's uh, crickets. Big Nami. Too soon. At Big Nami eighty five on Twitter. Send your compliments and hate mail. Um, I, I you you think Oakland covers? I think spread? Oakland covers. I think it's. I think Cleveland could win the game, and when it's spread of seven points, if you think the team could win the game, you could say they could cover the spread, and that's what I'm doing. I think Cleveland does cover that spread. Again, I don't think they do win that game. I would say that. I would say that Cleveland will cover. They are another team playing decent, although Peyton Ellis. Some some problems, some drama down in a little bit Cleveland. of drama. A little bit of drama. Doesn't think he's going to play past this year or past when he's a free agent. It's going to be rough. Right. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of distractions. Right. Who knows? They need to get the ball in Hardesty's hands a little more. I think, honestly. I don't know, Peyton Hillis. You know, you saw what he did last year. So we'll see what happens with that game. And then the next game are the Dallas Cowboys at the New England Patriots. Frank, who do you like? What's the spread? Spread, I'm sorry. Plus seven. Um, well, another rule of thumb besides screw Philly and uh, 
don't bet on a team that's starting Blaine Gabbert, rookie quarterback, against the Steelers at home. And my gambling philosophy is don't bet on the Cowboys ever. Don't even go near the game, so I'm not even going to give you an answer. <laughs> You're abstaining? I'm abstaining. You have to give me an answer. I'm chastity belting this pick. <laughs> I'm going to put you down for something. Go ahead. I'm going to put you down the opposite. Put me down for awesomeness because that's all I'm down for. All right. I I would stay away from this game if I was a gambling man and I was going to bet on football games. I would stay away from this game. But the Cowboys are plus seven. They're getting Miles Austin back. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. The Patriots before that game against the Jets were averaging giving up 500, almost 500 yards of offense every week. Yeah. They're pretty awesome at putting up points, but they're pretty awesome at giving up yards too. I think we're going to have a shootout on our hands. The Cowboys, Skandrick hopefully comes back for them. Well, in that case, if it's a shootout, we got some Cowboys, don't we? They're pretty good at shooting, right? Exactly. And that's my reasoning for taking the Cowboys against the spread. I like your style. Maybe even eking it out. But you abstained. So if I win this, I get the point. And if I lose it, it doesn't count. Okay. So next we got Saints at the Bucks. Saints giving four and a half. All right. I like the Saints. Yeah, I like the Saints too. You're not even going to have an argument for me on that one. That's okay. We don't need an argument. I think they do win, and I think they do cover the spread. Oh, Tampa, they they coming from the West Coast. They had that game in the West Coast where they got stomped out. Stomped out. Yeah. We got a little NFC North action coming up next. On Sunday Night Football this week, you got Mm -hmm. the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. Chicago. Who do you like? I like Minnesota. You like Minnesota? Yes. I don't. You don't. I don't what? like Minnesota. You know that uh, we were talking about. I this think Minnesota is getting a bad rap. They they blew some leads against some good teams, and then they finally took care of business in a resounding fashion against the Arizona Cardinals. They finally realized that they had Adrian Peterson out of the backfield. Who's he? Yeah, exactly. Minnesota fans finally found out this past weekend, but I think Chicago is going to take this. And I have two words for you, Matt Forte. I think. He is one of the better backs in the league right now, mm-hmm. all-around complete backs in the league. He's catching passes. He's a threat, constant threat to score. I think the Bears bounce back from that Monday night disappointment against Detroit, and they, they win this game and cover that spread. Okay, fair enough. And the last game, going to Monday night football, Frank, it's the Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. The spread is seven points. What do you like? That's a big spread. That's always a tough matchup. With a little AFC East action there. Dolphins always play the Jets very well. Um, I honestly don't know if the Jets cover that. It's on, it's either going to be a very close game or the Jets are going to blow out the Dolphins. There's no middle ground. Yeah, I just went with I just went with the weatherman action right there. It might rain. If not, it's going to be sunny. It's like when you're trying to describe somebody and you're like, oh, they're kind of tallish, shortish. Yeah. You can't, you can't lose. Yeah. But here you have to pick somebody, Frank. I already gave you one chastity belt. I'm going with the Jets. They're going to win by at least 10. By at least 10? Mm-hmm. They think they bounce back? They bounce back. I'm going with them as well. Also, Frank, I brought this up. I tweeted this the other day. Or I put it on Facebook or something. If I'm a Jets fan, I want them to sign David Carr. I want them to call Cincinnati up and inquire about Carson Palmer. You need some... Even if you're not going to start him, you need someone other than Mark Brunel to light a fire on the Mark Sanchez's ass. They, they, only, you do. they only had about 250 yards a week after that horribleness in Baltimore. Baltimore has a good defense. You can almost 
you know, excuse that if they had good performances against other teams. But the New England's don't. defense is horrible. They were missing their best player, Gerard Mayo, we, on the defensive side of the ball. Going even further back, their week one win against the Cowboys, they didn't win that game. The Cowboys lost that game. Tony Romo. You're going to have a lot of Jet fans who disagree with that. Because, like I said last week, they're the most ignorant, arrogant fans in sports. Yes. And so, also, there's a rumor going around, Frank, and I agree with this and with what the players said. And I don't know if you did or not, but some of the receivers, yeah, some of the receivers went into Rex Ryan's office, rumored, and said that Brian Schottenheimer was the problem, basically. And I agree. You look at some of this play calling and what they're. They're doing it's it. Derek Mason how that little meeting went. <laughs> well, he just has been performing, and this is a case where the guy behind him is outplaying him, so why keep him? Right. So I know I I just hope you know with Plax and Santonio going in there that they didn't shoot themselves in the foot with that one. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. No, that's not too soon. But that player, by the way, who's going to take over for Mason is Jeremy Curley, the rookie out of TCU. Curley does look good, and I, yeah, honestly, I agree with moving Mason to make room for him. I, I do, and I do agree that they need to do something about Schottenheimer. Get somebody else to call the plays or tell him to, you know, open up the playbook. Let Sanchez try it out, and you have to say in. Let Sanchez do something. If he's going to fail, let him fail. Not, don't let the play calling fail him. Yes. All right. Sounds like a wrap. Sounds like a wrap. Until next time, I'm Mike. This is Frank, and uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully. Peace.